story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G. Hello everybody, Mama G here, and welcome to another episode of Story Time with Mama G. How are you all doing? I hope you're well. I hope your Easter holidays have been just dandy and you've been enjoying yourselves in self-isolation and it's been beautifully sunny, hasn't it? When you're at school and it's the Easter holidays, oh, it's not sunny then. No, 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 no. But now you all have to stay indoors. That's when the sun comes out. Isn't that peculiar? You can't explain it. Well, I am pleased for now that you have to stay indoors because that means you get to listen to my podcast, you lucky things. And I am very excited about this week's episode because I am talking to the actor and author Joseph Elliott. Now, some of you might recognize Joseph because he is one of the pirates on the CBeebies program Swashbuckle. And we had a lovely chat about his career and about the new novel he has written, which I have read and which has also been a book of the week. In fact, it was last week's book of the week, The Good Hawk. So sit back, relax and enjoy our chat. It's Mama G here, and I am very excited to be talking to the author of a wonderful book. Um, tell me, what's your name? Uh, my name is Joseph Elliott. Hi, Mama G. Hello, nice to meet you. And uh, whilst we're here, what is the name of this fantastic book that you've written? Uh, the book is called The Good Hawk. The Good Hawk. So um, we'll talk about it later. But for now, would you class yourself as an author? I would class myself as an author and an actor. Um, I kind of do a bit of both. An author and an actor. Well, this sounds like we're going to have a very interesting conversation. <laughs> so, uh, Joseph, let's go right back to the very beginning. Where do you come from? Uh, I'm from Bristol, originally. Oh, I'm from Bristol as well. No way. Yes, I am. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Which, uh, well, uh, actually, I'm a bit of a hodgepodge of lots of places, but I lived in oh. Bristol for quite a long time. And um, whereabouts in Bristol? Down ends. Kind of East Bristol. Yes, I know Downend. Ah, um, where are I'm, you? Well, I'm from Thornbury. Oh, Thornbury. Which is very north. Posh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. My um, mum used to teach in Thornbury. Oh, really? Yeah. At which school? I don't know. I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if she was my teacher, I'm sure she was lovely. Was she a primary school teacher? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Well, you'll have to find out now and let me know. I will. And uh, if she was my teacher, I'm sure. Well, I didn't have a Mrs. Elliot as a teacher, so I'm. She probably wasn't my teacher. So that's that sorted. Wonderful. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Yeah. Um, we're having all the investigative chats here you see on this podcast. Well, yes, Thornbury's very nice, and Downend's very lovely. What were you like as a child? I was very well behaved. Oh, good. Um, yeah, yeah. I was quite studious. Was quite kind of reserved. I think for a lot of my kind of early childhood but very creative at the same time like I used to love making birthday cards and I'd make up games and force my families to 
play them with varying degrees of enthusiasm. <laughs> and then kind of as I got into my teens, I started getting into acting more, doing a few school plays and things. And uh, yeah, kind of exploring that side of things. Well, this is one of my favourite questions because I'm a, I'm a proper theatre nerd, you see, Joseph. So oh, I yeah. always like to know is what school plays did you do? Um, oh, I've got a terrible memory. I was in Jekyll and Hyde <gasps> as part of the ensemble. Oh, how exciting. Um, which is very fun. I did a Cold Comfort Farm. Do you know that? Like a good I West Country play. Um, I forget who it's by. Oh, I'm terrible with names. I'm not going to be able to say yes. that. It's, it's based on a book, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. I, I will look that. into that, dear listener, yes. and tell you. I was a, a, a crazy West Country preacher. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Which was, yeah, entertaining. Um, what else did I do? Oh, my memory is so terrible. How bad is that? Like, no, that's okay. But you obviously enjoyed doing them. Oh, I love doing them. Yeah. And before you went to secondary school and you became a teenager, what did you think you were going to do? Like, what was your dream job? I didn't really know, to be honest. Like, I... I went and did English literature and drama at university. So I guess there was that some indication of mm -hmm. the direction I thought I might be going in. I was kind of, I don't know whether I was too scared to say that I wanted to be an actor, but I certainly never thought that I could be or that it would just be too difficult. So I, I, that, that was, I kind of pushed that dream aside, not really thinking that that could ever really happen. Although doing the drama at uni, there was still like a spark of that kind mm -hmm. of going, uh, yes, inside of me. Yeah, I guess something kind of creative, artsy. I mean, having said that, I toyed with the idea of being a doctor and um, at one point and even law, although I, I don't know whether that's, I was, I was kind of torn between you know, you're getting good grades, so you should go and do something that needs good grades and earns lots of money. Um, but I didn't want to do that. That's absolutely fine. And you know what else is also fine, uh, and you will know this yourself from experience, is not knowing what you want to do. Absolutely. It's, it's absolutely yeah. fine. It's okay to uh, have just no idea because then your life is going to lead you in all sorts yes, of wonderful directions exactly. and I, I think that this may be changing now but certainly you know when I was a, a teenager there was the kind of school of thought that you pick one career you do that job and you do that job for life whereas actually that's very much changing now I think and you know my career at the moment is a hodgepodge of all kinds of different creative outlets and and I love that and I I would certainly uh, encourage anyone that's, that's in a, a kind of similar position to, to do the same kind of thing and, and, and kind of just see where life takes you, you know, work hard and, and do the things you love. And then uh, often the work kind of finds you and you get taken on this crazy adventure and oh, yes. go to all kinds of different places. No, I think that's fantastic advice. And also because it, you do need to do some work. You can't just have no Absolutely. idea and sit yeah. around doing nothing. You've still yeah. got to commit to school. Yeah. Um, yeah so whilst you were at school, you liked doing school plays and you were in some very good school plays. Um, but what were you like? What books were you reading and what, what movies were you enjoying or shows were you going to see? What was inspiring you at that point? Mm, I hate questions like this. <laughs> My mind goes blank as soon as anyone <laughs> says anything. I, I, I remember doing like, the majority of the reading was kind of through school. Okay. Um, 
but I enjoyed fantasy books and uh, dystopian kind of books. Well, that's so, evident from what well, I've from, read. <laughs> yes, what, what, that's all kind of fed into that, I'm sure. Um, I um, have always loved an author called Ian Irvine, mm-hmm. who is an Australian fantasy author. His series are amazing. Yeah, he's re- written in, in all, all kind of, there's like a, a quadrilogy. Is that the right word? Well, yeah. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, that sounds, sounds good. Like a lot Let's of say work. that's the right word. Yeah. And then a trilogy and then another trilogy and they're all a part of the same world. Um, and yeah, I just devoured all of those. Also Garth Nix trilogy books I used to love. Going back a few years earlier than that, I I was obsessed with the Animals of Farthing Wood series. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> You know, actually, I, recently I've tried to find those books again because I really enjoyed reading them. Well, funny you should say that. I've actually, oh. within arm's reach on my bookshelf, I have <gasps> the very first, and in fact, the the version that I had as a child, I found in my Oh my, my goodness, I actually had that copy of the book. Did what, you? What, what you can't tell listeners is that we are on a video chat at the moment. And yes, I had that copy. I can remember buying it. I mean, this cover means just so many memories to me. So oh. I went back to my parents' house. I mean, the, the pages are, are deep yellow. Um, <laughs> just makes it all the more amazing. Because, yeah, this must be oh, lots of years old, I won't admit, but many oh, years old. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to uh, reread it. And I'm very excited to do that. I think there's something wonderful about reading a book that you've read so many years ago as a child and then experiencing it anew as an adult. Absolutely I completely agree and I'm sort of on that journey at the moment of going through my old uh, old books I enjoyed when I was smaller and somebody will do that with your book in a few years time. Yeah amazing. Yeah that would be incredible. Well I'm sure they will maybe I will. Um, please do well I'm going to have to because it's part of a trilogy isn't it it is yes and I also have a terrible memory so when <laughs> trilogies are involved I have to read the first book again right to uh, know yeah, where I am what's going on. Yeah. Um, and it will be a pleasure because well, we'll talk about the book in a moment but I'm very excited so uh, you went to university to do uh, English and drama yes. yes and then what happened after that um so whilst at uni I did loads of plays like so I kind of started my love of that started probably like sixth form at school so quite late I started Mm -hmm. doing that maybe uh, year 11 um and then at uni I was like no this is what I really love and I was at Manchester Uni and they had an amazing drama society so I just spent all my time doing plays and just absolutely loved it and then I was, that kind of got me thinking, you know what, this this is what I want to do. This mm-hmm. is where my passion is. I've, I've, I want to really want to give it a go. And uh, yeah, so I, I then started applying for a couple of drama schools, doing like a, a one year postgrad mm-hmm. um, a conversion year and got into Central School of Speech and Drama yeah. in London. Um, and so it was like, and it, it was a weird one because I, I kind of like, well, you know what, I'll apply if I get in, amazing. But even at that point, I was like, I, I, I didn't have the confidence that I was going to mm-hmm. be able to do it. Um, so, and I was like, and if I don't, I'm going to go to Japan and teach for a year. And just as a, you know, a, a kind of an exciting alternate, then I got into drama school and I was like, oh, I kind of decided I was going to Japan, but okay. <laughs> Were you disappointed you didn't go to Japan? No, not disappointed. Uh, and have you been since? I haven't been since, although I would, I would still like to go, yes, maybe in the next couple of years. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I think it's it's good to have alternate plans so that you're not too disappointed. But no, it was incredible. I was like, I'd, I'd got into uh, drama school and a really good one at that. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I was I was thrilled. Well, that's very exciting. And you've worked as an actor since then. Yes. Yeah. What have you been in? <laughs> not EastEnders. Sorry. Ah, or the Bill. No, not the Bill. No. I was in Casualty when I was very young. Well, um, yes, with the, the Bristol connection. Exactly. There, I mean, everyone in Bristol. in Bristol has been in Casualty. Were you ever I in know. Casualty? I, sadly, I wasn't. No. Oh, um, I but I, I, I did used to get very excited when you'd walk into a shop and Charlie would be in there. Yeah. Or whoever was in it at the time. I can't really remember it. But yeah, it used to be very cool. When I came out of drama school, I started doing, um, I was in like a comedy sketch group called Four Screws Loose. So I did a lot uh, of like live comedy with them all over the country. We did some, um, we did the Edinburgh Festival five times, did a lot of kind of international stuff as well. So that that was kind of the, the first like big thing that I did. Uh, I, I was doing a lot of, of kind of touring theatre and, mm-hmm. and small shows and stuff um, at the same time as that. And then my career took a, a real curveball in that I um, got an audition for a job on children's TV for a show called Swashbuckle, which is like a, a pirate game show. Um, kind of a, a fun house vibe, but amazing, like a big soft play uh, pirate ship. Um, and they were looking for a comedy duo that, that kind of that were established in comedy but not specifically kind of children because I hadn't done much children's stuff mm. at that point. And uh, yeah, I got the job. And so the, that, the next kind of how many years, six years or so, then was doing a lot of work in kids TV. So yeah, Swashbuckle's now done six series and they also, so it's on CBBS, um, which is like the BBC children's channel. And they have big sh- other kind of big shows that they do. Like they have a special show every Christmas where they get all the different characters from different shows and put them all together in a big live uh, performance that's then recorded and put on TV. So I've done lots of those and they do like Shakespeare for kids as well. Oh, so wow. Um, yeah, so most of the, the the kind of TV stuff I've done has has been kids stuff, which has just been the most fun. I mean, I, I never thought that's where I would end up, but it's it's just been absolutely joyous. Um, that's that's amazing because even ten years ago, you'd have had no idea absolutely. that yeah. kids TV was your destiny. Yeah, totally. Um, and some people plan for that for their entire lives. Yeah, and there you are, just yeah. turning up. <laughs> an audition and uh, obviously you enjoy it because you've been doing it for six years or so now yeah yeah no I absolutely love it the people that work there are just amazing um and it's just really it's just fun you know the, the amount of times where I'm like wow this is my job you know mm-hmm. usually dressed as like an eight foot gingerbread man or you know <laughs> But the yeah, we're like one big family really on the channel like everyone gets on so well and it's just so nice um to be able to work with people that to be able to work with your friends essentially and make these amazing shows and then you know off the back of that um I do a fair amount of of kind of live stuff uh, like mm. public appearances and then and um live versions of the show and they're great because then you actually get to meet the people that are are watching it and yeah just I mean when we do the meet and greets and stuff for like that it's just incredible because they're 
you know, it's it's like you're their heroes. They've been watching you since. Absolutely. You know, they were zero. For some of them, you're like their world. It's it's amazing. Yeah. You're their Tom Cruise. Well, exactly. Or... That's, that's the thing. If, it, if literally, if I was next to Tom Cruise, and they were in front of me, they wouldn't care about him. <laughs> it's just incredible. And you can quote me on that. You are the, the Tom Cruise <laughs> of children's television. Thanks. I'm going to add that to the CV. <laughs> hey, I'll give you that one for free. Mm. And whilst you've been doing all of this filming, where did you find the time to write a trilogy of books? <laughs> well, so actually the, the filming's quite seasonal. So like Swashbuckle films uh, in a, a block. So it's like a three-week block where we film 26 episodes. So it's... Yeah, oh goodness. That is the how many response. <laughs> is, is that how many? Is that like two a day? It's a two a day, yeah. Uh, so we rehearse for a week and then it's an intense, like three week filming. So, which is crazy and, and full on, but somehow, somehow kind of happens. Um, but it, it means that, you know, it's only a month of a year that takes mm. up. And then with other projects, you know, like the Christmas show we do is, is the whole thing's put on in a week. And so, uh, even though, I've got lots of kind of things, bits here and there. There's there's a fair amount of time in between all the gaps mm. to write. Um, so I started off doing script writing. So I was okay. script writing for Swashbuckle and then a few other kind of comedies on uh, CBBC. And yeah, just really enjoyed it, doing the, the kind of writing side of things. But I'd always had this like tiny thing in the back of my head that I wanted mm. to write another one day. I, I think I've always believed really that I would write one one day, just... I know for the majority of my life, I was like, I'm not old enough yet, or I'm not, I, haven't got, <laughs> I, haven't got, I haven't got the idea yet. It's not, it wasn't quite the right time. And then the more I, I was kind of writing scripts and stuff, I was like, you know what? I think, I think well, in fact, the impetus to really do it, I'd been writing odd, odd little bits of some kind of novel for a while. Um, and then I broke my foot playing football quite badly and was then on and off crutches for the best part of um, two years and a lot of that I was like I, I couldn't do anything like uh, so I, I was I was kind of housebound with my leg up for weeks on end um, which was terrible but at the same time it, it gave me the, the kind of kick up the bum to be like okay I can't do anything else so let's write and take the writing a bit more seriously mm -hmm. um, so that that was what started me writing a bit more seriously and then yeah the novel happened <laughs> so this is amazing so you are one of those rare people that said i want to write a novel and then actually did it <laughs> did it yeah <laughs> you you completely followed through on that dream that's amazing yeah. now we're down to the bit that i'm really excited a bit <laughs> about let's talk about the good hawk yeah. because it's a wonderful book and uh, where did the idea come from how do you get the inspiration for a story like this it's, it's kind of inspired by loads of different things but one of the the main sources of inspiration were uh, so while I was acting um in kind of the early years mm. um whenever I wasn't acting or resting as we actors like to say <laughs> um I worked in a, a school for children with special needs and I worked there for about five years this is an amazing school in Westminster in uh West London and they were really good to me they you know I appreciated that I was an actor and if I ever I had an audition or had work they would um, let me go off and then they always were happy to take me back again afterwards. So I had these incredible five years working at this school and absolutely loved the job and when I decided I wanted to take the writing a bit more seriously it kind of struck me that the, the children that I 
knew and were working with didn't really have themselves represented in um, a lot of mainstream literature. So yeah. that, that was the first, um, so yeah, I should say uh, one of the characters, or one of the, the main characters in the book is a girl called Agatha, um, who has Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the book kind of started with her, really. That I had this image of this girl with Down syndrome who was stood on this wall looking out to sea while the wind kind of tore at her hair. And I was like, okay, what, why is she there? What's she doing? I knew she was kind of looking out for, for danger. And I was like, okay, why? What's, what's her story? That and, is an amazing first image to have. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, and that's, that's how the, the book kind of opens. And, uh, yeah, the book kind of spiralled from there. I mean, it didn't, one of the, the, the kind of second thing that I decided about it, really, that it was going to be set in Scotland. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, Scotland, different to how we currently know it. So I, I spent quite a lot of time working in, and kind of travelling in Scotland um, over the years. And when, when I was a teenager, I used to do there. Uh, Duke of Edinburgh. Award. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. So I did quite a bit of trekking in Scotland, okay. and just love it as a country. I think it's it's stunning and um, very underrated. Like uh, it's just the most beautiful place, and the most incredible landscapes, and it really fit the feel of the book. Is this mm. this kind of harsh yet beautiful? And so yeah, so I I had Agatha and I had the Scottish landscape, and then I just kind of filled in the gaps. I guess. Well, you make it sound very simple. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just so filling in the gaps. <laughs> uh, and you filled the gaps in with quite some exciting things. There are some really amazing moments in the, the story. Some very exciting moments. I believe I might have even missed a tube stop. Uh, <laughs> really? one, at one particular moment when uh, Agatha is speaking to quite a large herd of animals. Yeah. And it's, it's getting very stressful. Um, I can feel my feet sweating thinking about it now because she's also in a tree and I'm not good with hikes. <laughs> so uh, as, uh, when you're attempting to write a novel, just if, any, if anyone listening wants to try it for themselves, you started with the image and then you filled in the gaps. But how did you turn it all into a novel? Because you must have had lots of incredible ideas along the way. So they, they often say that there's like two types of writer. There's a plotter. And there's what they call a pantser, um, as in they do it by the seat of their pants. Okay. Um, so the plotters will spend years like deciding every single aspect of the whole story and all their characters' backstories mm. and really kind of develop everything very full and making all the decisions before they start writing. And then the pantser just starts writing and sees what happens. And what are you? Very much a pantser. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to learn, I mean, my first book certainly was, I've had to learn for books two and three to, you know, creep slightly more towards the the plotting side of things. Okay. Because, yeah, both have their advantages, but also their disadvantages. But, yeah, with the first book, I kind of, I knew where it started. I knew some of the things that would happen in the middle, and I knew where I wanted it to end, although that did change when I got there. And I, I just started writing it. And it was amazing. It was an amazing experience because... I didn't even know where it was going to go, uh, really, or what was going to happen. And I, I discovered some amazing things on the way. And some, and I, I was as surprised by some of the, the kind of twists and turns. You know, I'd get to a point, I'd be like, oh, no, that's going to happen now. Oh, OK. And be excited by that. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that way of working. Uh, the, the downside is that there were the edits become a lot harder because mm-hmm. there were certain things that I didn't discover until the end. 
And then when it got to editing it with my uh, publishers, they were like, okay, if this, this is quite an important part of your story that you've <laughs> written it's only just brought out. 29. Um, so you then had to kind of weave things back through and, and make okay. sure they were coherent as a, as a uh, narrative. Um, but yeah, it was, I found it a very kind of exciting experience. So I, I think there's, yeah, there, there are different ways to go about doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, that was certainly what, what kind of uh, worked best. And it's a, a very good end result. So it obviously worked very well Thank for you. you. And so did you find the story sort of driven by the characters? Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. I, I had Agatha and then Jamie, who's the, mm -hmm. the kind of second protagonist. And I kind of created them as characters, decided where they lived and how they lived, and then just set them on this adventure and to see what would happen. Just just sent them off. Just sent them off. Go yeah. and work it out for yourself, Be guys. Free, my children. <laughs> Which ironically is kind of what happens to them. Oh, well, yeah taking this pantsing approach to writing a novel yeah. um, which I, I love as a technical term at what point did you decide it was going to be a trilogy fairly late on like after I'd written it I'd oh that's interesting it. yeah so I, I wrote it never really necessarily thinking it would get published mm. I wrote it because I wanted to because I had this the, the, the kind of drive inside me to write it but I was writing it for myself I wrote a story that I would want to read and I think that's really important as advice to anyone that is, you know, thinking they might want to write or be an author is, is to write what excites you and write from your heart um, mm -hmm. rather than trying to write something to be published. Um, because I think if you do that and, and you're kind of true to yourself, then what will come out will be much more authentic and readable um, and appealing to the industry. So, so yeah, I, I was just writing... I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> did you, how did you plan for it to be a trilogy? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of wrote the the whole thing, and it wasn't until I got to the end and I was like, I feel like there is more here to be explored mm. in this world because of the things that had happened in it and the characters and you know characters I'd met that I liked and was like, oh, I could have more of you, or you know, I felt like there was more, but I was also happy for it just to be the one if if that was what its destiny was and then I signed with my agent and before we went on submission which is when it gets sent out to the publishers mm. um she was kind of like what how do you feel about this being a trilogy um and I was like oh yeah I did kind of think maybe um and so yeah between us uh well she, she was then like okay well if we're I, I think it it could be a trilogy and I, I think we should try and sell it as that. So why don't you have a think about what books two and three might mm. <laughs> involve? And I'm like, oh, I don't do this. I just punch my way through it. <laughs> That's when I had to start, um, yeah, turning into more of a plotter and thinking about the the kind of overall arc of where okay. Um So yeah, over the course of a weekend, I kind of jotted down some just rough ideas for what books two and three might involve. And yeah, the publishers really loved it and were like, yeah, let's let's take three. So well, just... I'm very pleased they did. Yeah. Because uh, and I'm, you've ended book one on quite a cliffhanger. Yes. Well, that's so that's I, that kind of came in the edits. Then it's like, OK, this is going to be a trilogy. What can we seat back into book one to kind of entice the reader to want to, to read more and where you know where the story is going mm -hmm. and by that point while I was editing I knew that I was writing three and I, I kind of had an idea of where the others would take our characters so I could start feeding in little just little bits of uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely amazing. And something else that's I really enjoyed about the book is that it's written from the perspective of the characters. Yes. Um, so you get a really interesting insight into Agatha's life and her thought process and the way she views the other characters. And then you get a really interesting insight into the way the characters view her. Um, and I think that's really amazing because giving a voice to people who normally don't get one is really powerful. So thank you very much for that. And, and I'm saying that from a position because I grew up with a friend who um, has uh, special needs and I know how frustrating it can be when people don't understand what you're trying to say. So I think it's amazing that you've allowed people to have that perspective. Oh, thank you. I mean, that, that's 100% what I was hoping would happen with the novel. I, um, I, I adore Agatha. I, I feel like I can say that because I almost feel like she created herself. I, mm -hmm. uh, um, and yeah, I, I wanted to show how, yeah, the, the novel isn't about Down syndrome in any way. It, it's just a part of who she is. And I wanted to show how um, wonderful and loving and kind and, and loyal, um, but also flawed, you know, she makes mistakes mm -hmm. just like we all do. Uh, I, I, I wanted a character that kind of showed all those rounded sides to someone with a disability, because I think it's it's too often in our society to judge someone on, on how they look or how they speak and to show that actually yeah, sometimes having different views on things can make you much stronger as a person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you've done that very well. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> so before we go, uh, where can people find the book? Well, in our quarantined times, um, obviously all the bookshops are shut. Yes. Um, but it is available online, um, basically from everywhere that you can buy books. Um, so hive.co.uk um, I always mention because they support local independent shops. Um, so they give you a proportion of all their sales to whatever independent shop is closest to you. So um, they are a great website. Um, but it fantastic. is also available from all the other book selling websites. Um, should anyone wish to go to any of those? <laughs> yes. And they, they should get the book because it's now the Easter holidays. Well, exactly. Uh, but you're and you're at home doing exactly what you were doing when you were at school. So buy the book, read the book and you'll have gone on an adventure, which everyone needs. And if people want to find out about what you're up to and what you're doing, where can they find you? Uh, so I am on Twitter um, at Joseph underscore Elliot um, with two L's and two T's on Elliot on Instagram as well um, at Joseph underscore Elliot three. And I have a website where people want to get in touch, uh, which is joseph-elliot.net. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> well, the confidence that you said that with was astounding. Um, I it wrong. It's new. So I keep getting my website wrong. So I was like, yes, this is what it is. Absolutely. And he looks very proud of himself. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining me, Joseph. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Um, and everyone, go and find The Good Hawk. Uh, online at the moment and then go and support your independent bookshop when we can all go out again and um, i'll speak to you soon Love bye it. thank you very much goodbye Well, wasn't that lovely? And now, in traditional Storytime with Mamma G podcast fashion, 
it is time for the book of the week. Now, if you watched my story time with Mama G live on Facebook on Sunday, you will already be well acquainted with my book of the week. In fact, you will have heard the story. You will have probably made a finger puppet of its main character. If you did not watch the story time with Mama G Facebook Live last Sunday, then first of all, where were you? And if you didn't, then you can also go to my Facebook page, which is at Mama G Stories, and you can have a watch of the story yourself. But let me entice you into reasons why you should watch me tell the story and why you should go out and buy this book. Ooh. Well, the book of the week is called A Fox Called Herbert, and it is by Margaret Sturton, and it is a wonderful book. It is a picture book about a rabbit called Herbert who knows deep down in his heart of hearts that he is a fox, and he does everything he can to be a fox, but his mother keeps stopping him and tells him to be a rabbit. Well, I won't give away the ending, but my darlings, it does end happily. And I think we all know what a happy ending means in a story such as this. It's really beautifully told with just over 200 words. I did count them. Some days self-isolation has been quite boring. And the illustrations that Margaret has done to her own story are really fun. They're very bright and they're very beautiful. They're just lovely, and it's a, it's a wonderful book printed by Anderson Press. So do go and find A Fox Called Herbert. Support Margaret Sturton because her work is fantastic. And go and watch me telling the story on my Facebook Live last Sunday, which was April the 1st. Because it was. Oh, and we made... Oh, no, it wasn't April the 1st. It was April the... Seventh, fifth, because it was, and that is not worth remembering. Goodbye. Yes, well, that was the book of the week, A Fox Called Herbert by Margaret Sturton. And don't forget, if you would like to see Storytime with Mama G, all you need to do is go to my Facebook page, at Mama G Stories, give it a like, and then I go live every Wednesday and Sunday at 6pm British summertime, because the clocks have now gone ahead. And you can also follow me on Instagram, at Mama G Stories, and you can go to patreon.com slash Mama G and sign up for some exclusive goodies, or you can go to ko-fi.com slash Mama G Stories and uh, buy me a coffee. Well, why wouldn't you? Um, thank you so much for joining me. I will see you all next week for another amazing book of the week and another interview with somebody fabulous. Bye! Story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G.